Welcome to the Purposeful Parent Podcast, a podcast for inspired parents. I'm Melissa. And I'm Kristen. I'm a parent of two little girls and the founder of Inner Architects. I love guiding parents and giving them a space to meaningfully connect, communicate effectively, break cycles, and learn to intentionally parent their kids. I'm an educator, a children's book author, and founder of Language Ninjas. With Language Ninjas and my books on the power of our words, parents and kids are given tools to empower their language. On this podcast, we are highlighting parents and educators who are choosing to mindfully show up differently for kids. Today, we're talking with Ben Walker. Ben is a former actor turned health and mindset coach who is passionate about helping dads make more fun memories with their kids. Ben loves helping men move past the myth of that's just what happens when you get old by showing them how to train so that they can be ready for whatever the day throws at them. And yeah, we're excited to be talking with you today and learning from you. I was stoked to be here. Let's dive in. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about your program. Tell us what led you to working with dads and give us, give us a little history. Yeah. So I started uh, really embracing this this life motto of fun is the point through, you know, through my own explorations. And then the deeper I got into that, as you know, I started researching play and, um, and I noticed how it's always referenced in relation to children. And, you know, it's, we, we like kids go to school and it's like, oh no, you have to, you've got to learn math. You've got to write papers. You got to be prepared for the adult world, and all this importance gets placed on that. But then I go to men's retreats, and grown men come up to me, and they're like, "Ben, can you teach me how to play?" <laughs> so there's like I noticed a major disconnect there, and what I've found in in the research is that play is a a vital part of childhood development specifically like roughhouse play with dad. Like there's like mom, mom can play with the kids, of course, but there's something special about like wrestling with dad where, you know, kids start to learn. They learn how to handle emotionally challenging situations. They learn how uh, they learn boundaries. Like when is it too far? Like when do I need to tell dad, Hey, that was too much. Or what if dad tells me, Hey, that was too much. And what like what I notice when you know when I work with men is the there's always men who have have this issue with like oh no one cares about what I think no one wants to do what I want to do and it's this incredibly debilitating limiting belief that so many men have and it all stems from dad didn't play with me dad doesn't care about about what I think is cool. You know, it's like the little kid who runs up is like, dad, dad, look what I drew. And it's like, oh yeah, that's nice. Back to the computer. Mm-hmm. And like that gets imprinted on children. And then they live the rest of their life thinking they're not good enough. Nobody cares about what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And a, a big reason why this happens is the, the dad bod epidemic 
that's running rampant across at least the country could be the world because like dads don't have the fitness to keep up with their kids. You know, if you, if you watch like any sitcom, all the, like the dad jokes are like, Oh, look, dad's too fat. He can't do that anymore. And it's, it's, it's all over the culture now where dads are expected, like the character of a dad is that he works all the time. He's grumpy. He's, he's slow. He's got a belly and he comes from home from work and sits on the TV, sits on the couch and watches TV. And when I talk to dads, they see that and they go, yeah, that's me. And I hate it. I've got this awesome kid and I can't keep up with them. Like they want to play tag and, and I, I can do it for like five minutes, but then I'm out of breath. And then I've, I've worked with clients who come to me with, yeah, my kids don't want to play with me anymore. And that is one of the saddest things I've ever heard is coming from a dad who wants to connect with his kids, but his kids don't want to play with him because either he can't keep up, he's going to hold them back, or uh, they're used to him being mean daddy drill sergeant. So they're scared of him. So seeing all of this, and, and being the lifelong five-year-old boy that I am and will be for the next hundred years, you know, I, I looked at that, I was like, I've got to do something about this. So that's when I, I started working with dads and created my venture dad program because I want, like, I want dads to be able to have that experience with their kids. And, you know, I'm, I'm tired of, of always, always coming up to to men who have men and women who have the same problem of no one cares about me. No one cares about what I think. No one cares about what I think is cool. And, you know, I want to erase that because like, think about how many like passionate ideas, incredible innovations are, are sitting in someone's head unexpressed because they don't think anyone's going to care. So that's, that's why, I'm really passionate about this. <laughs> okay. I, I love that. And being a teacher who worked with five-year-olds and heard all the time, nobody wants to play with me. Um, nobody cares what I think. Um, it, I like too hearing where, where you found that stems from. Cause I was curious, like they're five, <laughs> maybe somebody got bored with them, but where, yeah. Where does that come from? Yeah, I, um, I, I, like, I'm so excited about everything you just said. And I wish my husband, Chad, was on the call too, because he would, this would just light him up too. Um, I love the whole fun is the point mantra that you're using. And it's really something that I've kind of come back around to in my kind of self-growth journey that I've been on for the last few years. And really looking at like, where did I lose the way for not only myself, but also for my children? Because I'm a very like structured, I'm the less fun parent. You know, my husband does fill that fun role. And um, we're really looking at like how we can include fun and play more, you know, and the first thing we're looking at is education for our kids. We've decided to homeschool our kids going forward um, because of the social narrative norm of like, you sit in this desk, you do this work, you get 20 minutes maybe to go run around outside out of your eight hour day. And then when you grow up, you get to sit at this desk and maybe go to the gym. If that's something you decide to do, probably not even, you know, and I just, 
I, I hate that. I hate that path for my kids. Um, so we're really looking at, you know, and if, if you read up on Waldorf or any of the other kind of alternative schooling methods, they don't start reading, writing anything until seven or eight years old because their brain isn't developmentally ready for that. They learn through play. They learn through touching and feeling and experiencing. And, and same thing, I think with emotions, like that rough house playing with dad specifically, like communication, boundary setting, you know, being able to experience that in a way where it's, it's safe and you're with someone that loves you. Um, but you're able to kind of push those boundaries and, and, and feel that. So I think that's so cool. I'm, I'm, I'm all on board. <laughs> and hell yes to homeschooling. I, that's, I think that's a big part of the reason that I'm, I'm able to see this issue, this issue the way I can is because I was homeschooled until high school. And even then I only went to high school to play football. So it was all like fun was still the point. And <laughs> You know, there's, there's so many things that I haven't had to unlearn because I came, I didn't start school until I was 14. So I'd, I'd had a, a foundation of freedom and play. And let me like eighth grade was a Euro trip for me. So like that, that, oh, that's such, I'm so excited for you and your kids. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're excited. It's um, so we've kind of got pushed into that during COVID. My kids went to a Montessori school um, and they, when they closed school, you know, we're like, can we do this? Can we replicate this at home? And even Montessori, like there's awesome things that I, I love about the Montessori curriculum, but really it's still pushing kids to like, you have to read by seven, you have to write in cursive, you have to do all these things. There's not a lot of play. And reflecting on, you know, I have a six-year-old sending her at 18 months, like I feel like she's more work oriented as opposed to play oriented because she spent so much time in that Montessori environment. So we're really kind of reeling back in. Um, whereas my four-year-old who spent less time there because of COVID and because she's younger is more like, I'll go sit in the corner and talk to myself with these sticks for two hours, you know, and it's like, <laughs> awesome. great. <laughs> you know? um, so yeah, we're really going to start. And that's, and that's a brain shift for me. And I think a lot of parents is like, oh, that, that kid's five and she can read my kid's seven and she's struggling still. Or, you know, the, these like timelines that we've somehow put on kids where like, I've read so many books and listened to podcasts and all these parents talking about like, my kid decided to read when she was nine because she was interested about learning about nature or rockets or whatever. And, you know, and I just leaning into that faith that that's going to happen without me, you know, following the societal regiment of expectation there. Well, as that kid who didn't read until he was eight, I can <laughs> tell you that, uh, get a library card. Yes. Oh, yeah. Once, once they start, they're not going to stop. <laughs> yeah. And it's just interesting. Like I, my four-year-old is already interested in like, what does that say? And what is that letter? And what is that number? And, you know, like, brands of things she's like well, I know that that says the same thing as that says that thing but I don't know what it says you know and my six-year-old can read but she struggles it's not easy for her but her brain like she's got such a math brain so like playing games like uno like she's got strategy she's beating adults like different you know it, it, like loves math loves building things loves creating things so really just being able to lean into those things as well is really exciting for me so 
cool. I'm glad that you were homeschooled. That that even just makes it even better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he turned out fine. <laughs> More that than fine. Than fine. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you wanna if you want a book list, my mom has an annotated bibliography. So I, I can send that to you. Perfect, perfect. Um, tell us about a little bit more about the specifics of your program. How are you helping dads make this shift? Yeah, so the biggest thing that I noticed first off is, and this is again in the cultural narrative, is the dads are so focused on providing for their family and making sure everyone else is okay that they stop taking care of themselves. And... Um, you know, that, that shows up when like they're, they're so exhausted at the end of the day that they just want to have a beer and, and numb out. Because when, when the first thing you do in the morning is for somebody else, that's what it, it conditions your brain to think that way. You're setting the tone from the beginning. I'm going to put other people before myself. And there, there's a realm where that's okay. And in your day-to-day, -day, that's really destructive. So the first thing that I do is I, I lay out a really simple, easy to follow morning routine where it's um, breath work, journaling, and uh, joint mobility that I already do every single day. That is, that's all designed to give the dads more energy have them help them set an intention for how they want this day to go and make sure they've done the, the base layer of like readiness prep for their bodies. Cause this joint mobility, it's, it's amazing how simple it is. And the difference I feel even like, I remember once I did it and then I was, I, I, I hadn't slept well the night before. So I went back to bed and I could even feel the difference just laying there in how much better my body felt. Because you know the reason, the reason that you get hurt is because you do something your body wasn't ready for. So mm -hmm. that's why it's so important to start every day off with this, whether you're gonna train or not, because you, know, you never know, like that, your kid might just go running out into the street. And it's, it's not a good look if dad goes running to pick him up and then twists his ankle and has to like limp out there to get his kid and then probably throws his back out picking the kid up. So that's the first step is getting that routine dialed in. And that makes a huge difference for both energy and motivation throughout the day. Um, and then the next piece is the training itself. Because a lot of dads, they've, they've grown up with the, the conventional, like, go hard or go home. Discipline equals freedom. I'm going to train for the biggest number I can. I'm going to push myself. And those are the dads whose bodies are broken. And they've got knee pain. And they've got back issues. And it eventually gets really boring. It's boring to go to the gym and do the same up and down movements that you've been doing since high school. So... Uh, a tool that I use is called a steel mace and it's this long handle with a weighted ball at the end. And it really, it's a weapon. It, like you look exactly like a, like a medieval warrior and the movements mimic that. So that, that makes the working out way more fun 
because you're doing all these cool movements. You're always learning new skills. And like you get to play games of like, well, I'm going to train for the zombie apocalypse or I'm going to do this move like I'm like I'm a Spartan fighting the Persians. And you can make a whole game out of it. And what's great is you know, what, what I love about like the fun is the point mantra is when fun is the point and when you're having fun, all the other stuff comes together. Like all like, like personal development breakthroughs, new business ideas, all of, they don't drop in when you're working on them. Mm-hmm. They, they come in when you're having fun and you actually have the space for something like that to drop in. So the cool thing about steel mace training is when you're in that flow state, and doing all of these cool intricate movements, you develop new movement patterns and your body becomes more resilient, more agile, more explosive. And I mean, there, like, there's this weird move called a, a dragon squat where you like kind of curtsy back and do a like twist your body. And it's a weird move that I've never seen anyone else do in the gym. But one day I was hiking and the trail was really loose and I slipped and boom, I caught myself right in that, in that step. And I was like, holy shit, this is why I train. <laughs> like that was worth every single workout to have that moment where I, I saved myself because I was, I was able to get into this really weird position. So that's like the, the main thing is putting, putting the morning routine together with a style of training that is easy on the body and also intrinsically motivating. And that, that's the, the coolest part is when, when I get like dads coming back to me and they're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like working out is so fun. Like now my kids want to train with me. Or I've even had uh, dad say, it's like, I've got something I, like my wife and I can do together now. And it's so beautiful to see all of these, like uh, all of these other unexpected things come in be all because they changed the way they train and that like that's that's the main the main piece of the program is those two things that's awesome is this uh like a one-on-one thing is there like a cohort group that works together how does that work yeah i I do it as a group so the um the workouts i send out first of all i send everyone a steel mace because i know not everyone has them and then I send, I've got all the workouts recorded on video. So I send those out. And then we have a weekly group call where, you know, all the men can get together and talk about like what in the, in the adventure dad curriculum, what came up, what were they, what did they notice that week? What were they challenged by? What, what breakthroughs did they have? And it's also a time for, for like us to be dudes. Cause there, there's some stat and it's a incredibly sad where it's like most men over 50 don't have one single male friend Mm. that they can go to. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it's 40 even. So even younger. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like that, that's something that's so lacking. So like, that's the other piece is when we get the group together, like that's more motivating because there's all these guys that, you know, are doing the exact same thing. They're struggling with the exact same problems and they all, you all want the same thing of, of being able to play with your kids. And I'm, I'm in the future. I'm looking to create uh, a father, son, either backpacking or rock climbing retreat where we can put all of that together and actually be in the same space. That's so cool. That's so cool. be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
What's your favorite way to play? Ooh, <laughs> running around on rocks. Mm-hmm. That like, yeah, if you, if you show me a pile of rocks, like you could leave me there for hours and, and I'll, I will be the happiest little kid <laughs> running around on the rocks, running in the woods, you know, all, all those things were like probably the mom in you. If, if the mom in you is goes, ah, be careful. That's what I like to do for fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so do you think that this has been kind of an always thing where dads have provided and they've been disconnected and they've come home and like, and had that kind of mindset or where do you think we got lost? I guess mm. is the question. Yeah, we, we got lost when, um, when we started being all about productivity mm. and numbers yeah. and grades. Uh, like I, I remember in high school, um, the, there was this girl who was the valedict. She was like neck and neck with another girl to be the valedictorian. But the other girl was in honors choir. So she had an edge. And uh, anyone outside of honors choir was like, oh, that's not fair. Why should she get honors choir, honors credit for singing? And I was like, well, you're really good at math. She's really good at singing. <laughs> and they, they like, they scoffed at that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's when we fell off track, when that stuff suddenly became frivolous, when, when fun became a luxury instead of a necessity. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and now we, there's like another thing that men often come to me with like a problem that I see when we're working together is they, they want like some marker of achievement. Like there has to be a rubric. You know, Your gold I have, star method. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like there has to be a number attached to this. Otherwise I don't know how good I did. Mm. And that that's the problem is, you know, fun doesn't work like that. Fun, fun is actually is a feeling. It's not even about what you do. Play is what you do, but fun is how you feel when you're, I've had fun steaming the floors of my house. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all about the, the feeling and the energy that you bring to it. So yeah, when everything gets focused in this, like discipline equals freedom, hard work, you got to do hard stuff, push yourself, numbers, like all of that is, it's really, it's in this pursuit of, they think it's in uh, this pursuit of fun, but what they're doing is not actually going to achieve that because fun doesn't work inside that structure. And when you think about all the, like, when people are exhausted and they're like, oh God, I just need a beer or I'm just going to watch this, this TV show. They're, they're seeking some sort of entertainment, but they don't know how to find it intrinsically. Yep. They, they don't know how to just go, go out in the woods and have a good time. There's got to be something else attached to it. So when it's really it comes down to like numbers and uh, like quantitative data that like that just steers everyone away from the whole point. I love that answer. I love that you talked about the feeling. And I think that's the root 
problem or issue with it all is that that we've lost our way. A lot of people in our society today, men and women alike, have lost their way in being in touch with their feelings. So when you like, if you when you ask someone to be like, go have fun and feel it, they don't even know what that means. They don't even know where that starts, right? So looking at that root, I think is really important too. And you can, you can see it. This is the, I love that you brought that up because the, the three most destructive words in the English language today are, I feel like, because people say, I feel like, and they think they're talking about their feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like you're not listening to me. I feel like you don't love me. And for example, I feel like it's raining right now. Is it raining right now? (laughs) Yeah. But those are my feelings, Melissa. (laughs) So that's the issue is people today don't even, when they say I feel, they don't even really know what they're talking about Mm -hmm. because, you know, feelings are, are physical sensations. You know, even when you say, I feel angry, you're, you're telling a story about like the, the heat you feel in your head and the tingling in your fingers. That's the feeling. And then we layer on this word anger on top of that. So that the, to anyone listening, everyone listening, if you catch yourself saying, I feel like, check, check in. Like, is, is there actual a physical sensation? Like, where, where is you don't respect me? Mm-hmm. Where, where, like, where do you feel that in your body? That's, that's really the question you need to be asking, because if you're going to keep distracting yourself with, I feel like, and then tell stories about the outside world, you're not going to be able to have fun. And like your, your kids aren't going to learn how to get in touch with their feelings either. Mm -hmm. So when you have a dad come to you, that's so disconnected, how do you start with them? Mm -hmm. Uh, I have them replace, I feel like with, I imagine. Because that's really what, when you're saying, I feel like that's actually what you're doing is you're imagining something based off of a physical sensation that you're experiencing. So what, and what's cool is that allows you to, to acknowledge, I don't actually know. You know, I, I imagine that you're both sitting on unicorns right now. I am. Um... Yeah, say, you know, Kristen, Kristen, Kristen very well could be. And it's, it's important to recognize that because then when you say, I imagine, you can see all the other areas of your life where you're operating and making decisions based off of some fantasy that you're imagining that's not based in any kind of reality. And it, it's, it's wild to see the shift that happens when people realize that and they start switching, I, it's, I feel like, I think, uh, I believe if you switch that with, I imagine your whole perspective of the world is going to change mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to cut right through the bullshit because you're going to see all, all the unicorns that you, that you were pretending were real. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that shift. <laughs> Those. Unicorns 
yeah. <laughs> if you're five, they are real. Yes. <laughs> and, and yes, the whole point of it's a story that's being created. And, um, we we're really good at that as people, we love stories. Um, it's our brains are doing them all the time. Even if we don't think we're, we love stories It's constantly happening. So checking them is so important to be able to realize what we're being, what we're thinking. Um, and then asking ourselves, is that actually accurate or not? So yeah, yeah I imagine it's, I imagine it's super helpful. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and that's the thing is when like a kid who grows up with a dad who doesn't play with him, mm -hmm. the story he's running is, well, I don't want to do this because I feel like people are going to laugh at me or mm -hmm. I don't want to do this because I, I feel like I'm going to get yelled at. And that's like, that's how it happens. Mm -hmm. And then they, they hold everything close to the chest and they shrink away. And like that, that's honestly, that's why when you go to a, like a party, all the men are on the edges of the dance floor, just kind of going like this. <laughs> it's like, they want to dance so bad, but they've got some story about, about what dancing means or that mm -hmm. they can't dance. When in reality, as that, as formerly that person, no one's looking at you. <laughs> everyone's in their own world in that but that's the thing is creating these stories and that's really the like the powerful role that a parent serves like when when people say kids are impressionable that doesn't that word doesn't even begin to express the depth of that you know if you tell an 18 year old you're not good enough they can say oh fuck you yes i am but if you tell a five-year-old they're not good enough, they go, oh, I'm not good enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to, to be able to be there for those kids and be able to instill in them positive stories that are going to serve them. And that, that's why it's so important to be in good enough shape to do that. Yeah, yeah. and I'm a, obviously a huge proponent of language. And, and I know how, how important the language that we use is and, and how they can create those stories and how important what you do and what you're showing your kids is, right? Like there's a lot of stories that I've worked through in the last two years of just what I saw my parents do. And even in conversations with my mom now saying, you know, this is how I perceived it. And she's like, well, I wasn't doing that. Well, or I didn't think that. Well, that's not how your outward, you know, actions seemed. So really as a parent now, really looking at not only the words coming out of my mouth, but are those matching up with the actions that are happening? Hey, your kids won't do what they, what you tell them to do. They do what they see you do. <laughs> yep. There's that, there's a great poem called this be the verse. And it starts off with, they fuck you up. Your parents do. <laughs> I was like, you know what? They did their best. And like, it's still something to be aware of. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. we're all human parents are not right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, um, Dr. Nicole LaPera put up something the other day. Mm -hmm. I was reading through one of her things that was talking about, yeah, I think Kristen, you shared it mm -hmm. too, talking about the good enough parent and really looking at, you know, showing up in this way, like 50 to 60% of the times and not catastrophizing, you know, the little slip ups that you have and how, when you do have those slip ups, how you're coming back from them. Like, 
apologizing to your kids, coming back and talking to them about what you were feeling in that moment. Like that's something that my husband and I are really focusing on. It's like, okay, well, I'm obviously not a perfect parent. I really want to be, but I'm, I'm never going to be right. So how do I get 50, 60, 70, 80% of the time where my kids know they're safe. They know they're loved. They know that, that I'm there for them. They're accepted. All of those things. Yeah, that's that showing, showing up for where you can and giving yourself grace. That's where that falls in though there too, is when you can give yourself that grace and you apologize to them, they know they can apologize to themselves and give themselves grace. So that's where being open and vulnerable um, with your kids comes into play. So, so importantly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, more about your program. I want to know, I want to know like how dads feel the feedback you're getting, what yeah. the fit, the changes, both physical, emotional, like within their families, within themselves. Yeah. But my favorite, favorite quote I got from a client was he said, Ben, when my kids see me now, they see fun. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's like the, this is a guy who he's, he's currently training to run across Australia. And before he worked with me, he was talking about how his body was rigid and broken. And now he's like, he's stretching with his kids. Like he's, he's, his daughter actually wanted to come on one of his training runs with him. And that like, that's the main thing is there's, there's this beautiful connection that happens, uh, with all the dads and their kids, because they, they get stuck in, they get stuck in dad mode and they forget how to be boys. And like another one, he said, Ben, I feel like a beast, a playful beast. <laughs> and this is, you know, former drill sergeant dad who now has spontaneous Nerf gun wars with his kids. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's like the, like across the board, they start playing with their kids more. They start having more fun with their kids. Their kids want to join them in the workouts without them telling them to. And like, and with their spouses too, there, there's more connection there because now like there's, they're, they're improving themselves as parents together. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I was not expecting that at all. That's not something I thought of, but then they, they were all coming back to me with this, like, oh my gosh, yeah, I do the warm up with my wife every day now. And it's great for us to connect right at the beginning of the day. Yeah. I, lo I love that you're using the mace too, because uh, like you mentioned before, a lot of these dads probably had a, a stint in sports or something along the way where they, or they tried CrossFit or a gym here or there where, you know, a deadlift or a squat, something that the traditional is seemingly boring at this point. Right. And it's also, you know, I, I owned a CrossFit gym for a long time and, and sold it and changed the way we did it because it, I, I realized it was disconnecting people more from their body than it was connecting. And I just couldn't be that person for them. But, um, really looking at like the mace is like movement meditation, you know, it's like, it, it's, you're so in your body with the mace not only because you're paying attention to that flow state, you're in that flow state, but like 
you literally are holding a weapon, like you said before. And if you whack yourself in the face with it, you're gonna <laughs> really fucking hurt, right? So and you will whack yourself in the face with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that that's the, the method of movement that you chose. Um, I think that that's really smart. And I think that that is like a sneaky way to get men to like think that they're getting stronger or that they're going to lose some, some of that dad bod, but also to like get in touch with some of their emotions. So, or just even mm-hmm. just feel connection with their body. Right. I love that. And that, that is the cool thing that is like the, the unexpected part of, of steel mace training. Is it when you get into the flow state, emotions show up out of nowhere and all of a sudden you're you're crying while you're flowing he's like where did that come from mm-hmm. i don't know but i'm gonna keep going and you know there there's a reason that that happened and you know men the the conventional wisdom's like oh no you got to be tough you can't cry crying's for girls but i mean i love crying oh my gosh when i've i've had so many moments when, when i'm working out where whatever movement I'm doing, it releases some emotion stored somewhere in my body. And, and I've got to, I've got to take a break and, and let that come out because if, if I know, if I let it down, it's going to fester. And then that would show up in me yelling at my girlfriend or, or like, or yelling at my dog or something like that, because I wasn't pro I didn't let myself process it. And yeah, the mace is a beautiful tool for bringing all of that out and moving through it in a safe way. Because too, a lot, a lot of, one of the thing I noticed a lot with dads is uh, they, they don't want to express their anger because probably because they had a dad who yelled at them or hit them and they said, oh, well, I'm not going to be like him. And instead they just tamp it down and tamp it down. And then it never, it never gets to come out until they lose control. And then it's like their kid didn't put away one toy and they explode, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't really about the toy. It was like all these other things stacking up that he was not acknowledging because he was too afraid to express how angry he was about something. And the problem with that is the line between anger and passion is really thin. So if you can't express your anger, you're not going to be able to express your passion either. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to hold both of those because like emotions aren't good or bad. They are, mm-hmm. you know, we, we don't have anger because it's a bad emotion. Like that anger is trying to tell us something. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important to be able to let that out and physical, physically just like, Oh my gosh, I remember I was, uh, there was some guy staying in my apartment when I lived in New York City, and I found out he stole some stuff from me. Lucky for him, he was not in the apartment when I found that out. But I tried to like sit there and breathe. I tried to journal. I tried to distract myself. Nothing was working. I was fuming. So I grabbed the heaviest mace I could, and I did 100 reps of this 360 squat movement without stopping. And when I put the mace down, I went, oh. I'm okay now. I still don't want that guy coming back in the apartment, but I'm not going to punch him in the face now either. Because I was, I was able to channel that anger into something mm-hmm. and then see the situation clearly. So yeah, the, for there's 
I mean, the list is too long for one podcast, <laughs> all the benefits that that training with the mace has, but the emotional aspect is huge. Yeah. Coming from a movement background, I, I applaud you for including that in the program and really looking at movement as a healing um, methodology for these men. And um, I do it for myself as well. And really looking at moving that moving that energy, because when we don't, that's where disease comes from. That's where injuries come from, right? When we're holding all of that in our body. So I think that's beautiful that you're really helping these men understand that and then giving them the tools to process through it and move it out mm -hmm. of their body. So kudos. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we love to give parents like a takeaway from the podcast. So um, actionable item of like, if I want to start this today, right? And I'm not ready to join your program, or I just want, I, I'm listening to this podcast. I want to walk away right now and do something. What's the first mm. thing you think that men, parents um, could do to get closer to this fun point? The first thing is first thing when you wake up in the morning, do something for yourself. You know, that could be the, like a joint mobility warmup. It could be reading a book, journaling making coffee and sitting by yourself, do one thing that is purely for you. And that is going to set you up to be of better service throughout the day. I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, add on to that, like in order to do that, because a lot of parents stay up too late, their kids are sleeping in bed with them or they, the kids come and wake them up right there. So looking at where in your life, you could button up some things to be able to allot that time, right? Mm -hmm. Or even if it's simply like communicating with your partner, right? Like the kids wake up before I'm done with this, you're in charge. Or from 5.30 to 6.30 is my time. And then from 6.30 to 7.30 is, you know, like being able to, because it's, I remember coaching parents before I was a parent. And I'd be like, you have time, you can do this, you can make it work. And they'd roll their eyes at me and be, you know, and then having children, I'm like, oh, some days it's really actually hard to do that, um, even as much as you want to. So creating a system and communicating with your spouse to be able to set up that time, um, I think is also really important. But I, I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm a huge proponent for filling your cup first. I talk to clients about like, I think we're, I think we're reverse in society. Like we, we look at like kids, then job, then spouse, then us, right. Then ourselves. And I've, I've pushed the narrative back to, you know, talking to my clients and for myself, like really filling up my cup first and what that means, then filling the, the relationship cup. Like if you have a partner that's parenting with you, right. Like it's really, it's, it's a lot easier and nicer way to parent when you're on the same page with your partner, mm -hmm. right? Or that you're at least th that, that part of the relationship is taken care of, right? Then kids, then your job. Um, this is my take. <laughs> yeah. And a, a, a distinction to make within that is, you know, it's often seen as selfish mm -hmm. to want to fill your own cup first, but a reframe I'll offer to anyone who's imagining that is I'm taking care of myself for you. Yeah. Because I know if I don't do this, I'm going to be a, a stiff, rigid grump the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. But if I, if I have these 20 minutes to, to warm up my body and breathe a little bit, 
then I'm going to be in a great mood all day and I'm going to be able to play at a moment's notice. Mm. So if, like, let me have these 20 minutes and then I will be of more service and better service to everyone around me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I had a um, kind of download a while back of this concept of filling your own cup because we throw those words around and I don't, I didn't fully, fully understand like how that would work. Um, you know, upon really thinking about it, thought about like, you know, cups laid out, everybody's cups that I want to fill, including my own. Right. But like, as a mom, as a, you know, woman, I think I, I just kind of naturally push my cup to the last cup. Right. Um, and then having a, you know, a pitcher of water that fills all the cups. Right. But that leaves very little, leaves very little for myself. And it leaves it leaves less than for the other people that I want to truly fill up, right? So if we can look at, you know, I had this vision of like a, a cup of water or, or of, of a tower of cups. And if there's like an endless supply of water coming to the top and the top cup being mine, then it just overflows down. And like that like was like a, oh my God experience. And there's like eye-opening like, oh, this really isn't selfish. It's selfless to do this, right? It's really like, if I take this time, then I really can have this abundance for everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I thought I'd share that. It, that, that I, I like, love that. Just, like mindset shift of like, oh, it's not a limited amount of water. It's endless water. And if mine's full first, then it can just continuously flow to everyone else. Do you, do you know where the, this actually came from one of the dads in my program. Do you know where the heart pumps blood first? No. Is it the brain? Itself. Itself. Mm, yeah. The heart pumps blood to itself to the first. Other... Cause if the heart's not going, it doesn't matter where the, the if there's blood elsewhere. <laughs> I'm now picturing, I'm like, oh yeah, it goes from one yeah. ventricle to another yeah. one and then it goes out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're right. It has to be oxygenated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm getting into the science. My brain's going deep now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, if we could just take that notion and do that with everything, compassion, love, you know, self-care, patience, all of it, like I do it to ourself first. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about self-love, like can't possibly love fully embrace love from for someone else if you don't even know what that feels like for yourself. So very cool. I love that. Um, anything else you want to leave us with? Anything else you want to share that we haven't touched on? Mm. The the last thing is when it when it comes to fun, something because people say like, well, what do I do? Um, is do the thing that you think is too silly. Hmm. That's, that's, that's the thing you should start in your exploration of fun. The thing that you think is too frivolous. I'm too old for that. No, go, go blow up balloons and make balloon swords. Go jump in the bouncy castle with all the three-year-olds. Mm -hmm. Go do that. Cause that's, that's the thing you're here's the, you never became an adult. You just became a big kid and that kid still wants to do all the same stuff. We just learn that it's not cool or not okay to do. Mm -hmm. So go do that silly, that silly thing and give yourself entirely to it and watch what happens. Love that. Yeah. And 
before while while and thinking about it, where can all our listeners go and um, find out more about you, learn about your program, and learn how to have fun? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Instagram at Benjoy Walker. It's all all one word. And then um, for more information about the program, you can go to uh, www.funfitnessmatrix/register. And there's uh, I've got a, a video up there that lays out um, a lot more in more detail about how what my approach is to getting dads back in shape for their kids. And I'll put that in the show notes too. So check those. All right. Mm-hmm. Love it. Good stuff, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was really fun. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Purposeful Parent Podcast. We had a really great time talking with our guests today and hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Make sure to check out the show notes to get more information on today's guests and to check out what they are up to. To learn more about Melissa and Kristen, follow The Purposeful Parent on Instagram. You can also check out what Melissa is up to by following Inner Architect on Instagram. And to keep up with Kristen, follow Language Ninjas on Instagram. We'd love to hear how you are choosing to purposefully parent, so please feel, feel free to reach out and say hi.